So hello and welcome to this week's instalment of Nucleus Investment Insights. Uh, and today we're looking at uh, somewhat of a perennial uh, topic uh, at Nucleus Wealth and I guess um, uh, one that also uh, deserves a little bit of review. Last time we looked at this I think it was about 12 odd months ago, maybe a, a touch less. Uh, and we've called it mega trends. So we're going to be diving into some of the key, uh, what we think are mega, mega trends that are going to be affecting uh, investment and things to think about going forward. Uh, I'm joined uh, as always by our Head of Investments, Damien. Classen. G'day, Damien. Hi, Jim. And uh, with no further ado, let's jump into it. So um, perhaps we uh, we better start by uh, looking at long-term trends and, and giving us a little bit of an overview of exactly what a long-term trend is. Yeah, sure. So look, I think the key thing for me is, and why we like to, to sort of pop this up every sort of you know, nine to 12 months type thing is because uh, there are some very, very big trends affecting investments that, that last 20, 30 years. Mm. And None of them are like a. I have to rush straight out of the house right now and buy something or sell something because of because of these trends. But it is important to keep coming back and just remind yourself of, of where where these big trends are sitting because they do colour the, the the whole investment uh, perspective. And yep. some of those in particular have made um, there've been some significant headwind, uh, sorry tailwinds for, for for markets and for for equities over a certain period of time. And we need to recognise that. Um, you know, let's say bond yields, for example, the bond markets had a great run as they as interest rates sort of fell from twenty percent down to effectively zero in in most markets. Um, that's that's obviously not going to keep going. You know, we're not we're not going to negative twenty percent interest rates. Mm. And so, you know, we need to recognise that the trends we've seen over the last thirty odd years, um, you know, uh, need need to need to be reviewed. Absolutely. So so with that in mind, I guess I've got a a, a chart up which is basically just sort of showing some of these longer term trends. Um, that uh, sorry, just it's just a, I guess an, an indication of, of, of the types of trends, and, and the the fact is that they are going to get knocked off by. You know, so you might have this big demographic trend, which is which is driving you know, your growth higher than it would have ordinarily been, mm. uh, and but it'll get knocked off by uh, recessions or, or wars or, or you know other other economic events, government policy, perhaps government as policies well. for, yep. for short periods of time, and, and so what you'll see is the trend will sort of be there. Um, you know, over, over that longer period, but it'll disappear for a little bit, and it's not until you come out the other end of the recession where you know it comes out as higher or lower, or or you, or you get to see sort of where the trend's going. Okay, sure. So, um, you know, so with that in mind, um, you know, it it is important to to keep in mind you're not going to you know you can lose money for years betting solely on these trends, mm. um, uh, even though you might make it you know over the over the longer term. Um, yep. So. So with that in mind, we'll sort of jump through to the first uh, trend. Yeah, all right. Let's kick it off. So um, we've got trend number one today, which is rising inequality. Um, we've got a chart up here. And for those that are listening in, um, head over to the show notes uh, and there will be a PDF link there for uh, the show notes of today and the, and, the, and the charts that we put up today. But we've got uh, a share of US total income received by the richest 1% of the population. So this is uh, <laughs> certainly a topic or a trend that's getting uh, more and more publicity, I guess, and more more noticed, I guess, particularly in the US is with the rise of the, the one percenters. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of, uh, lots of airplay for this. Um, look, this has been a core one for uh, for me for you know for, for a long time now and and this sort of comes back to the the secular stagnation so we, so one of the uh, comments coming out of the um, financial crisis uh, is that we're in this new normal where the growth rates we've seen before just aren't going to be achieved anymore mm. and that, that and that uh, a lot of central banks in particular and and very much the Australian central bank is sort of confused by this whole um, Everything's going to revert to trend. We're going to keep we're going to keep firing up growth. You know, growth at the moment is is quite low in Australia, and and uh, they're they're having uh, and inflation is low, and they keep forecasting, hey, it's just going to bounce back next year, and next year, and next year, and next year, and it never does. Yeah, sure. And and so uh, you need to one of the the, the things that this comes back to for me is is this rise in inequality. In that if I if I give a rich person uh, another thousand dollars, they sort of look at the money and what am I going to do with this? Oh, well, I'll throw it on the pile. You know, you know, what, <laughs> effectively, going to save it. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, whereas you, you give the a thousand dollars to a um, to a poor person, generally speaking, there's 
um, you know, half a dozen credit cards to... to I was going to say they spend 1500 so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, um, so the, um, the effect on, on demand or, or sort of aggregate demand from that is, is significant. So if you, took, if you have a certain amount of, of GDP coming out of a country and, and you divide it up equally between people, then people will go and then spend that money. Mm. If you take it and unequally divide it so that I give a, you know, a big chunk of it to one, one or two people and, and, yep. and the rest of it, sort of everyone else has to, has to take less, the, uh, the amount of demand you'll get out of that is, is, is less. And so, and that's been a trend very much in place for, you know, we've seen that sort of 50 odd years. Uh, I sort of, my, one of my personal pet theories is that, is that a lot of this comes from the, the, uh, the fall in communism. Uh, in particular, it, when, when communism was, it was a big threat for a lot of countries, uh, and, is what you saw was you saw capitalism had to be uh, had to be muted and and they had to make sure that um, you know with all these countries around me if you're in Europe and and you're France or Germany or or somewhere like that you're seeing countries right next to you falling to to, to communism mm. uh, you have to go well I need to make sure I look after the people at the bottom because right. if I don't look after the people at the bottom next thing you know there's there's torches and pitchforks and and they're installing a, a communist government in my country so you so you needed to have this sort of constrained capitalism where um, you know the, the the poorest people actually um, got a share. Got a share. Yeah, exactly, right. And, and benefited. And, and then once once communism sort of faded as a threat and it's no longer well, that didn't work. Um, we could go into hypercapitalism. <laughs> exactly. It's like capitalism work. You know, capitalism is the best ever. Yep. Um, we can do as much as we want, you know, mm. and we need more of it. Yep. And we need more inequality, which I think was exactly the wrong lesson. The lesson was capitalism did so well for that period because it was constrained capitalism as yep. opposed to, um, you know, letting letting things letting people put a push things to to extremes so, so that's fascinating so, so i guess is it going to take a um you know a, a, a resurgence in communism to to quell these one percent problem that well, we're we've, seeing around we've the world certainly seen a, a resurgence in socialism yep. i think there's uh you know if in the u.s in particular you know to, to brand yourself a socialist was was sort of making yourself unelect unelectable yep. in, in the u.s and, mm. and we saw very much that um you know politicians from the uh democratic side um of the scheme, you know, turn themselves into, and right around the world, not only in, in the US, but they turn themselves into these, um, you know, efficient market, you know, and they, and they, yep. they roll back, uh, a lot of the protections and, and, and we saw Clinton and, um, and Tony Blair in, in, uh, the UK and, and Hawke and Keating in, in Australia, um, sort of, were were the sort of they sort of rolled back a lot of the uh, a lot of the protections and and helped you know a lot of these movements had helped because the pendulum had swung too far the other way mm. into too much protectionism. Yep. Um. But then then it sort of became because those were so successful. Then the pen, the pendulum sort of hit the middle, and then people went well because that was successful. We need to keep pushing that pendulum further, and and now we're swinging out to the too far to the uh, to the other side to the other side. Yeah. Okay. And so. Um, you, you are getting the rise now in terms of where I was leading with that is socialism was this dirty word where nobody wanted to be called a socialist, whereas now we have Bernie Sanders standing up and, and proudly declaring himself mm. as a socialist and, and, and not being you know, punished in the polls as, you know, anywhere near what it would have been 20, 30 years ago. And, and even more locally with what's happening on Saturday, um, we're seeing, you know, some of those seems start to be played out as a, um, you know, as a reason Ab to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a very big thing for, for, for the election we've got at the moment, whether, um, you know, I, I would I would classify personally, um, you know, Shorten's uh, changes as being you know a step in the right direction, but certainly that's not a uh, sorry a step in the direction back towards a sort of a more uh, more equal society. Mm. But it's not they're not major changes, they're not mm. revolutionary changes. They're sort of still just chipping away at the edges of the the the, the problem. Right, right, light so, as opposed to left, perhaps. Yeah, and so the question is, <laughs> do, well, do you need to get things so extreme that you do get? You know, mm. revolutionary issues, and we've seen in France, uh, you know, the rise of the yellow jet, yellow yeah, vest yep, yep. sort of movement, and yep. um, you know, there's lots of other, uh, lots of other examples around the world. Um, you know, in, initially, I, I had thought when the the one percent protests started, I thought you know this is the start of the whole, um, you know, the unwind, mm. but they went away, and, mm. and so you know, we I guess we're waiting for the next major crisis or, or things just to get so extreme that that you do get a big yep. relative big uprising. Yep. And what, what's ironic about France actually is that um, France is actually probably one of, is it's one of the places that is that hasn't got as much of this problem. They they do have some more equality than than other countries. Mm. So um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, sure. But the, the trend there, so I guess the idea is the more inequality you get, 
the lower the demand. And so uh, that's, sort of, that's a headwind for growth. So most of the growth we've seen over the last 20, 30 years has been despite this rising inequality. So this rising inequality has been sort of pushing back. And, um, but the tailwinds we're about to see in some of these other trends have, have been more than enough to, to overcome this, this rising inequality. Okay. Yeah. And the question is, where, where's equality going at the moment? Um, it's despite, you know, as we said, what the elections this weekend and, and, uh, you know, what's happening in the US, equality is still, still, um, moving in the, in the wrong direction from, from a demand perspective. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, sure. All right, very good. So we'll zoom across to uh, trend number two. So we've got, uh, well, this one's called Baby Boomers, I should start with. And um, so we've got a series of uh, fairly popular uh, descriptive charts, I guess, that are used to sort of show what they term as, I believe, is it the age bulge or something like that in the um, the boomer bulge or something has, has been yeah, used to term? Yeah, absolutely. So the, demogra- the demographic trend. So basically post the uh, post the Second World War, there was a big uh, growth of babies, and we saw this, uh, and, and you gradually saw this move throughout the uh, throughout the, the demographic. So at the start, that was a that was a negative because mm-hmm. there was a lot more kids out there that people, you know, a lot more. Uh, so the workers had to had to feed more, feed and clothe and, and educate more kids, and then it became um, started to become a positive as those kids started to work, and then you had. That 20, 30 years of, of those kids going from being, you know, green workers to, to more experienced workers and, and really getting this, this benefit yep. from them. And now that, now that cohort's starting to retire. Yep. And so, uh, the, the next graph is actually probably better. There's sort of this, uh, for, for anyone listening, there's sort of the, the one, those ones sort of showing the, the pig in the python type things as that, as it gradually moves through the snake. The, the more, the, the one I like better is what they call a, a dependency ratio. Mm. And so what that uh, characterizes is how many workers do you have uh, compared to the number of kids and uh, compared to the number of kids and the number of um, retired people. Yep. And so that one, uh, now this is US data, but the data is pretty similar around the world okay. um, from, from what you see. But it sort of peaked at sort of 85%-ish in terms of in back, in the, back in the 60s. And that's, that's saying, you know, you had 15 workers for every 85 um, Non-workers, yeah, which is right. you know, okay. kids, people being educated, uh, retirees, and, and, and things like that. Mm. But the, the amount of retirees was very small mm. for that proportion. So the, the amount of kids was was particularly high. Um, and, and keep in mind as well that was uh, you had um, you often had non-working uh, mothers and 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 wives. That's, yeah, well, yeah workforce that. participation was a lot lower back then. Yeah, yeah. But so so we've seen that that fell. You know, for for fifty odd years uh, that fell and. Now it's it's just coming to the the times where it's starting to rise. You're starting to hit these periods now where demographically these baby boomers are retiring mm-hmm. and they're becoming a bigger a bigger impost. Um, yep. uh, growth birth rates were were relatively low for the for the last sort of twenty thirty years compared to the, the the twenty or thirty years earlier than that. Yep. So there's there's fewer people coming into the workplace to replace these people retiring, mm-hmm. and so that that. Um, uh, is is another one that's that well that's one that's sort of hitting this was round about hitting the stage now or over the last sort of last four or five years and, and the next four or five years where it's 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 hitting the point where it's turning so it's going going from being this great big headwind where more people workers more efficient workers more experienced workers yep and now it's flipping around and and now going other way fewer now workers yep um but still alive <laughs> exactly <laughs> so which need to be supported yeah sure so um and, and i guess you know Obviously, this is a growing problem. Um, how does that sort of um, play out into sort of an investment and a growth sort of side of things? And do you expect it to change, or is there things that we can do to change it? Yeah, well, I think this is this is one of those ones where we need to look back at the growth rates from the last twenty, thirty years, and, and acknowledge that they included this portion of of extra people in, yep. in the workforce. And so we can't expect that same. Uh, growth to be to be going forward. Okay, it does mean that uh, you know the, the question about if you if you want to be exposed to to children's diapers or, or adult diapers, you know you, <laughs> you probably go for the adult diapers end in terms of the you know that's that's one of the uh, the statistics from from Japan where Japan sort of uh, has a very low birth rate and very low immigration as well. So they've been through this problem and a shrinking population. Yep, um, that's part of the reason for their their stagnation over the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the statistics from there that, that popped out was that you know at, at a certain stage uh, they started selling more adult diapers than what they did uh, children's diapers. <laughs> yeah, right. which is sort of like and that a, was the inflection point. That's when you know you've got a problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I suspect even by the, by the time you reach that stage, you you're past you know you, you're well into the problem. But yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, an anecdotal view of uh, 
showing that how, how the problem, how bad the problem is. Uh, and so, yeah, we need to we 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 can't keep talking about reversion to a mean from from a prior time. Yeah, sure. And, and uh, another analogy used by uh, by by Jeremy Grantham from from GMO is saying, you know, you need to recognise you can't be if if you're on a um, you're on a stallion and, and you're going to be whipping it along and, and growing it at um, at three and a half four percent if that's your sort of target rate. Yep. But um, if you're riding a donkey and you're going to sit there whipping it, yeah, maybe you can get it up to that three and a half four percent for short periods of time, but you can't you can't over the longer term. Not so, sustainable. So yep. you need to know if you're riding a donkey, you know, <laughs> just whipping it, you're going to kill the thing eventually. Yeah. yeah so, okay. Sure. So it's not a question of, um, you know, just yeah, pressing the accelerator the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. That's where I think. There's, there are central banks around the world that there are recognizing this and and and, and speak a lot about it mm. uh, I think the Australian central bank's been quite um, behind the curve in terms of in terms of their uh, certainly their um, acknowledgement of the issue mm. and they have a very uh, very much a reversion to mean uh, view of forecasting for the for the last few years where everything's just it's always going to pop back up to the mean and the means quite high uh, and they do need to to, to ratchet this back so that's a you know, as, as we're investing, we just need to keep temporary of that. Yeah, temporary um, growth expectations. Just quickly, just just um, looking sort of viewing locally. Obviously, we've got um, probably Japan being the uh, the extreme end of, of mm. one bound. Um, US somewhere in the middle. Where would Australia sit sort of um, in this? Are we are we using the US model as as a bit as a bit of guidance, or are you taking lessons from Japan? Or uh, Australia's pretty good, um, mainly because we mainly because we have a high <laughs> immigration rate. Yep. Uh, you know, you need, you do need to question. I think we spoke about last week about saying uh, you need to, you need to question your, your, your types of immigration because uh, there's sort of, th- for my mind, there's three types of it. Where uh, if you've got immigration of lots of uh, relatively young, well-educated, um, pre-family sort of pre-family, or yep. at least d- dynamic in terms of saying oh, moving for uh, for economic opportunities to yep. to to better my life and and um, entrepreneurial and, and things like that. There's there's a uh, there's a base of people like that that's, that have grown Australia and grown the US and, and, and other sort of countries where, you know, it's a valuable type of immigration and, and it's what you want. Yep. If you've got the end of it where you're saying, okay, I'm bringing over people who are old and have paid taxes in another country for all their lifetime and mm. now I'm bringing them here so I can, so they can use our medical facilities and then, yep. um, uh, yeah, you know, and then pass on. That, yeah, that's obviously less and useful. You're building the wrong end of the bulge, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, and and if you're bringing over students though who who don't who who don't speak the language particularly well and are basically being, you know, you, you you're taking forty fifty thousand dollars from these people and shoving them into university courses and and they're coming out and driving Ubers at the other end. Mm. Um, that's not a useful form of immigration as as yeah, much yeah, okay. as, as, as well. So it's sort of a question about saying. Um, yeah, we know which lever to pull, but we're just going to make sure that the powers that be right pull one. the right pull the right lever. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so I guess where I'm getting to from that is is Japan's at one end. Uh, China's actually pretty close to the Japanese end. Is they're, that right? Yeah. Um, but their one child policy was what drove it, yep. and and so they're hitting their inflection point about now as well. Mm-hmm. So they're they're rolling over from um, actually probably two or three years ago. I think they they started rolling over from uh, starting to lose workers from in terms of. Um, Lose working age population. Yep, uh, starting to grey out. Yes. Yep. Um, so is that is that a is that an, uh, a, an investment note for people and get their pencils out and go long adult diapers in China? Is that yeah, <laughs> good trade yeah, tips. That's, yeah, that's right. There's, a, there's been a number of people who've commented the 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 the, the pithy comment, but it's you know China's going to grow old before it'll grow rich. Yeah. So, okay. so yeah. again, it's that. You look back at the last twenty years and go, look how fast they've grown. Surely they're going to be three times the size of America, and you know they're going to be rule the world type stuff. Mm. And whereas a demographic sort of says, well, demographically, yep. um, you know they're hitting that point now, and they're on the donkey, <coughs> not the not the stallion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, so US and Australia are pretty good. Um, Europe's uh, on the on the worst side, um, and uh, Japan and and China are. Well, Japan's the worst. Europe and China are probably in a similar position, mm. but I guess it, it, Australia and US, while they're in a relatively good position, um, they're not. Keep keep note of the word relative. Mm. It's still a worse position than than where you know. In either of them, you take Australia or, or the US from twenty years ago yep. demographically well before you take 
you know, either of those countries as at today. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Very good. Mm. Um, we'll jump into our uh, third one now, women in the workforce. So, I've got a chart up here showing a uh, what, from 1966 up until 2013. Uh, and I guess it's a particip- participation rate or just the number of women rising from 14% to uh, sort of plateauing out in the uh, early 50 percent yeah so and this so this is another trend you know 50 odd years of um going from uh the i guess the the accepted wisdom that women don't work they stay at home and, and look after kids mm. and, and and whatever and then as they move into the workforce and you get this um you get a, certainly a gdp benefit i mean there is a there is an issue that because um, it's not counted the, ex- exactly yeah, yeah. Yep. saying well you know if, if um if you have two uh, non-working wives and each of them decide to mind each other's kids and charge each other the same amount for them, yep. that's a big boost to GDP with the, there's no real effect. You know, there's yeah, still kid, yeah. two kids being looked after. And and, yep. and so, um, you know, so we do need to recognize that the, the GDP figures we're looking at and, produ- and, and some of the economic growth figures have been juiced by this. Um, By just participating in paid workforce rather than unpaid, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. But it does mean as well that we do get, um, and, and there's the, the other big benefit though, obviously, is that there there are women who um, are, I guess, capable of or and, and want to do a lot more in terms of the, in terms of adding value um, to uh, to the economy. I don't I don't want to downplay the, the benefit of, of mining children, but yep. but I guess it's a lower paid job. Yeah, so you want, if you want to be a, able to go home tonight. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. If there's a, if there's a question about saying if there's a um, you know a, a a leader of a country who's you know particularly well suited, or a leader of a company that's that that adds a lot of value to in, in terms of position, and she can work more, and and there's a um, you know somebody else who's mining her, her kids for her. Yep. Then um, it's double double plus. That's a yeah. That's yeah. right. It's it's more efficient allocation of resources, and so sure. we've seen that um, for you know fifty odd years, which is again added to to all our growth figures, mm-hmm. um, but very much seems to have capped out. I've got another uh, graph up there just showing um, slightly different numbers this time because um, there's sort of a few different ways of measuring it, but um, this one's. Sh- showing a number of different countries and we can see on this one that uh japan's actually started going backwards uh in terms of that and and the us um is sort of capping out as well and so the question is for the, the yeah so the us is us and japan have gone backwards over the last few years mm. uh, australia has flattened out yep uh and so the question is have they actually reached a level where um we're starting to go back the other way because there's women who who have now gone well economically? I'm I'm happy. Yep. I actually, don't want to work. You know, I'm happy to work two, you know, three days a week or four days a week, rather than being having having to work. You can, yeah. You know, you've got the option. Exactly. Yep. So, and okay. rather than feeling obliged to, I have to be in the workforce. Yep. Um. You know, they're starting to step back and say, well, I'll, for lifestyle reasons, I'll 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 work less or or, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Fair so, enough. That's interesting. So I guess it's um in question of saying, you know, will this trend continue? For me, for my part, it's saying I think it looks as if we've we've reached a point where um, there's probably not a, heaps more growth in it, mm-hmm. uh, and quite possibly there's a decline as you know. In in some countries, uh, people feel as if they've reached a level where they they'd like to opt, opt yeah, yeah to, okay. to work less. Um, so from an investment point of view, it's a net negative on demand. Look going forward, looking forward. Yes, yeah. yeah. So now that well, uh, yeah, probably a net negative. It's, a, it's at best you'd say it's a, it's a neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you made the view that no, we've reached the the plateau where and, and now it's going to go sideways from here, then it's then it's neutral. It's gone from being a, a nice big headwind for fifty years yep. to, to to neutral. Um, but the uh, some countries are, are looking like it's actually going to turn a little bit negative for no probably not for long but yep. you know, there's a there's probably just take the top off the uh, and the existing part and as you touched on before um, the fact that it's been rising so much in say the last sort of three or four decades it's been um, it's been a positive juice to the numbers as mm. you say and so now that juice is starting to come down the numbers yeah. you just need to yep. you just need to re bring down your your expectations for growth okay fantastic all right we'll jump across to uh, trend four and that uh, we've called debt so we've uh, we've got it here up up and away i might need to just run through this chart here we've got a spike in public debt that looks like it's sort of tailed off in the last sort of three decades and um, private debt has uh, resumed its trip to the moon yeah so what i'm comparing is and this is just very long-term figures for australia um is public debt so so debt from the government uh which rose quite quickly for the, the early part of the 1900s and, and sort of peaked out at sort of 150% odd of GDP uh, around about World War Two. Yep. 
and then fell um, quite dramatically since then and is now at, at you know relatively low levels compared to its history. On the flip side, private debt from 1970 has um, gone ballistic. Mm. So well up over 150% of the GDP and that's just done nothing but, but grow since um, you know, the end of that chart that we, that we can see there. Sure. So... The que- there's questions about why, and, and one, of the, one of the questions, one of the, one of the answers for, for my part is that um, when you have rising inequality uh, and for, but falling interest rates, then you can substitute, um, and, and people still want to spend the money, you can substitute earnings, s- for, earnings debt. For, for debt. Exactly. <laughs> you can say, well, Tim, you, know, you might have been able to buy a house 50 years ago with using a certain amount of your, your income and, and all that. Um, the house price is now ten times higher, and your your income's only gone up, you know, five times. But you need a house. But you need a house, <laughs> and you know what? I'll actually, I'll, you know, interest rates are much lower, so I'll actually, I'll actually lend you yeah. way more money than, than what you would have lent. Sure. And so, and that helps to to smooth over the inequality p- issues because mm-hmm. when people can't afford to buy the things, they're, they're they're a lot more upset than than when they can afford to buy it. Yep. It's just backloaded, and you're paying for it for the next thirty years rather than rather than ten years or or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yep. So. Going um, forward, yeah. So going forward, though, there's obviously there's a limit to to how much debt people can take on. Mm. So and, and and there's a limit to how low interest rates can go. Yep. And we're pretty close to the bottom. I mean, globally, we're this is not a, just an Australia specific one. This is um, across most advanced econo- economies. We yep. can see exactly the same trend. Uh, so from an interest rate perspective, uh, we've pretty much hit the bottom worldwide. Australia's got a few more interest rates cuts to go, but mm. but you know not many. So um, there's there's very little we can do in terms of in terms of that front. Yep. Uh, now to get that debt either down or so that people can borrow more, you basically need to get their wages up, mm. and that's part of that same that whole inequality problem is because not enough demand, wages aren't rising, um, and so we're we're sort of caught in this this loop that's a, uh, where the debt was very useful about masking the inequality and, mm. I, sp- and I spoke earlier about how the inequality you know all this had been done despite the 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 rising inequality mm. so f- for my part you know that the the rise in debt was one of the biggest things that that allowed the inequality to to keep to keep rising and, and going on because people didn't notice as much yep I still got to buy my car and my house and all that type of stuff it was just I had to borrow the money rather than Rather than spot on, yep. saving it. Yep, fifty years ago, and that made me happy. So I you know, didn't didn't kick up a stink for a few years. <laughs> exactly. And so now, you're, but now we're we're starting to hit the stage, and it's probably you know maybe we've got maybe it happens in the next two or three years, maybe it happens in the next fifteen years. You know, this it's not a it's not an imminent issue, mm. but it's certainly a uh, an issue that's sitting there and could happen at any stage. Yep. In terms of the um, you know, when, when this turns, and we're starting to see in Australia, you know, the, the pullback of what people are allowed to borrow in, the, in their house, um, you know, has caused a, a, a huge increase, a huge decrease, sorry, in the in the number of building approvals, and and the question will that flow into unemployment and, and other major issues in Australia is um, is quite possible. Yep. And so it sort of comes back to that point about you need to recognise that this has happened and that there's been this huge build up in debt and that. Banks for years and years and years grew their loan books at you know double digit rates, mm. and you say, well, how can your bank keep on going at ten percent per annum at, at loan book when people's incomes are growing at three and four percent? Yeah, that's it. And and especially if yeah, the doubling, if growing at double digit rates, then is there anyone actually paying back this debt, or is it just debt and yeah. more debt? You know, so. Yeah. Um, a quick one on this one, though. Um, so when we touched on this um, uh, last week, sorry, uh, when we were just sort of discussing what was going on in Australian housing, um, so there's been, you know, a bit of argy-bargy around the 7.25% uh, cap that was uh, well, the, 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 the high watermark, I guess, essentially, yes. for serviceability. Um, not, not really talking about that, but more just a, a, a question that came up in my mind that we didn't get a chance to ask was, um, do you actually ever see like home loan rates ever ever getting to 7% again? Like it's, let's say, our lifetime. We'll use your lifetime maybe plus, plus 10 for those listening at home for, for, yeah. for myself. <laughs> oh, look... I mean, I can see, yeah. Look, I can, but not not under current current um, conditions and the, and the way we're pointed at the moment. I guess, I guess the, the, we need some structural change in the way um, in the way we're conducting monetary and f- uh, fiscal policy. Mm-hmm. So, the um, one of the the ways to look at this is um, I'm just trying to remember the guy's name is from Bridgewater. Oh, Ray, Ray Dalio. Dalio. Yeah, yep. Ray Dalio. So he's so. He, 
we spoke. We had one of our podcasts. We ran through sort of his longer term views on on how the uh, and how these have been resolved in the past. Mm. And so basically, when you have these big rises in debt, there's a few different ways you can get around it. Um, you can debt write offs and and jubilees and and um, you can have um, defaults and and the, yeah, the, the lenders take it. Take it. Yep. Uh, and inflation is is the key one as to well, well, if I get some inflation going, then I can inflate away those debts from before. And, yep. and as long as I get that, so the the question is about how to get inflation going, and mm. that's that's the most that's usually the easiest one because it's the uh, it's most painless. Most painless, yeah. yeah. And people don't really notice it as much. Yep. Um, there's, so unless, the question is, unless you're in Venezuela, but anyway, yeah, you, exactly. Unless you get, <laughs> unless you end up at, at, at pushing it too far. And so the question is saying, um, we're in this what what he terms as you know, monetary policy 1.0, which is basically we raise rates and we lower rates, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of um, uh, macroprudential around the around the edges. But you know, that's basically basically all we're doing is, is raising rates and lowering rates, and and it it looks especially as you see that build up in debt. Over that, basically, over the monetary policy era. So, since since we started using interest rates, basically, what it's shown is that um, we can lower interest rates, which gets people to go out and borrow more and gets the economy going again. Mm. And then we can raise rates, which slows the economy down. And then we can do the, you know, we can do that up and down. But, but um, slowly working to zero, though. <laughs> yeah, we're obviously got we've got this drift where the the debts hit this point where you say, well, now it's hit a level where people can't borrow anymore, mm. and so when there are lower, lower interest rates, nobody go, nobody rushes out to borrow. Yep. Or oh, not enough people rush out to borrow, and so um, so we don't get the the benefit. So you say you need something else, and usually the other thing would be um, government fiscal spending. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the next oh sorry the the next stage I guess monetary policy. 2.0 was uh, central banks going out and, and buying other assets. Yep, sure. So they've gone out and, and bought um, government bonds. Um, in Japan, they're basically buying everything. They're mm. buying you know, um, uh, exchange-traded funds, so effectively buying stocks on the stock market. Yep. Uh, trying to, again, just trying to get this cash out there and get people, you know, please go out and borrow some money and, and, and uh, go and invest. Uh, and it's been pretty, relatively unsuccessful. Question is maybe it's been successful at staving off disaster, but it certainly hasn't been successful at creating inflation. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, that, so now we get to the third issue. The third part is saying, well, how do how do we how do we actually what's 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 next? And the next is uh, helicopter drops of money straight to either governments or or to people. Yep. So whether you're going to be starting, um, you know, uh, living not living wages. What's our um, uh, universal universal basic, basic income, income UBI. Yep. Um, or where we're basically just giving money people giving money to people. Mm. Um, or your you, the the central bank just starts printing money to give it to the to the government to get out and spend it. Okay. As a and you, and you start these these big sort of government driven um, projects in terms of just to, to get that demand back in. Either way, you need to get that inflation going. Mm. If you can get inflation going, then you can get back to your seven percent interest rate. That's okay, it's a, a very yeah. long way to answer that question, <laughs> but uh, under under the current, especially Australia's current settings, mm. it, to me, seven yeah, seven point two five percent looks no. We're never going to get there. Yep. Um, you need you need to see fundamental change where governments either need to get out and spend a lot of money, or central banks need to be pushing money. Or central banks need to be pushing money to governments, or mm. pushing it out to to the the people. Okay. To um to get there. All right. Yeah. Good answer. All right. Fantastic. Mm. Um, just while we're on this one, yeah. Yeah. One last one. So it's worth noticing noting that um, you know, so that you want to get uh that inflation is is the important part of that inflation is getting wage growth inflation. Mm. Uh, getting inflation for the sake of inflation just makes things worse. Yeah. Sure. So you, you want the inflation to actually flow through into into um uh yeah into people's pockets and, and a good example of this might be um say like energy prices which have gone up um you know incredibly against it, like a lot of other parts of the inflation basket and yet in those a, profits seem to just wander offshore in, in a, yeah in, and you yeah, note yeah. and you'd note that's very much in australia in yeah. other countries that's not the case sure. um depends upon where you look like the u.s um have had falling you know electricity costs mm. um and largely due to the the cheap gas they've got. Yep. Um, Australia's problem, as uh, you know, David Llewellyn Smith obviously bangs on about um, nonstop to rightly is that um, you know we're we're about to be the world's biggest exporter of gas, and we've got the world's most expensive gas. Yep. Or close to the world's most expensive gas. Last, largest so exporter of gas and largest exporter of foreign profits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so, and 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 those companies have got um, yeah, and and there's this, the the royalty streams are, are almost nothing. So. Um, it's that 
ironically, you know, the, the gas price goes up in the world, and it actually makes Australia, Australia which was you know about to be the world's biggest exporter, yep. it's a bad thing because <laughs> we don't get any royalties from it yep. because they've all still got these massive losses there. They still need to work through, and um, uh, local gas prices go up, and so it's a net negative for the, yeah, the economy. Horrendous. Okay. Um, and it is also worth noting, just in terms of debt write-offs and, and things like that. Uh, so, so you can get these you know, debt forgiveness. Um, there's been a bunch of different scenarios recently that have shown that um, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, you saw in Japan, we had these. The, most of the debt was was uh, concentrated in in companies in nineteen in the 1990s, mm-hmm. uh, and they basically propped up those companies and they made what they called zombie companies, which sort of sat there and so much debt they can't they can't do anything, but, yep. but they kept them alive to, to you know for the for, for for show purposes, and so the so the lenders didn't have to take these huge uh, losses. Right. Yeah. Uh, we saw very similar in the in the US, um, you know, the housing loans there, where. Um, Again, it was a question of well, do people who have made the loans to these uh, that they called ninja loans, loans to people with no jobs, no income, and no assets? Yep. um, Should they lose the money, or should we effectively bail them out and and keep them going? And and that decision was largely made to bail them out. Hmm. Um, In uh, in Europe, uh, you know, Greece sort of hit this stage where uh, for for most. Independent observers, they look at the amount and go, well, Greece can never pay this money back. Um, the people that lent the money, the generally German banks and, and these other guys should take these big write-downs and, and, and get on with their life. And the decision was made, no, 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 no. Let's, <laughs> let's just pretend, extend and pretend. Yeah. Pretend they'll pay it back so that the banks don't have to write, have the write-downs and, and you don't make half the banking system insolvent. Full weather. Okay. So um, it does seem um, – China did a very similar thing in the early 2000s with their housing market. There's just been time and time again where the decisions – been made to say, well, if a lot of people have lent money to a particular sector or a particular country, uh, let's just pretend everything's all right and we'll extend the problem for, for years yep. rather than uh, the people that lent the money can take the pain and, and um, then we'll get back on with... And I hope, hopefully, magical inflation will uh, make this problem disappear perhaps in the long run as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, sure thing. Uh, we'll jump across to the next one. Yeah. So we will, our final one here is... Uh, second last oh, one. Sorry, second last one. Beg your pardon. Trend number five, uh, company tax rates. So we've got a chart here from 81 to 2016. Uh, we're showing a uh, com- combined corporate tax rate falling from 52 to 25. So, so halving. Gl- yeah, so globally, company tax rates have halved um, over the last 50-odd years. Uh, so this is a trend which has been, um, you know, obviously very beneficial for companies. Mm. So if, if we're looking at uh, company profits, you know, my estimate is roughly about a third of companies. So if you look at the total increase in company profits over the uh, over that sort of 30, 40 year period, my estimate is roughly about a third of that increase in profits has come from uh, lower lower tax rates. Lower tax rate. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So. When you look back at company growth rates and say, what can I expect from from my equities holdings, and what can I expect from my, you know, to come about from these? Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, you can probably keep expecting this tax rate to go down. The US cut its tax rate, and there's talk about you know other countries still looking at um, lowering. Australia keeps talking about uh, yeah. lowering its comp- corporate tax rate. Yep. Um, but is this a sustainable? You know, obviously you, you will hit zero at some stage, uh, and uh, I guess as, as, as a tailwind or a headwind, uh, it does seem very much to be still be a, a tailwind for me. Mm-hmm. Is you still you still are getting these tax cuts flow through, and, and you still will see, say from the US, um, as people restructure their um, their Financial tax affairs, yeah, yeah, their, their, their affairs to, to to suit the new regime, you'll see the tax rates get lower again. So yep. you generally see as, when when tax rates get cut and, and big changes happen, you get you get this initial burst where where it falls and then you get another bit of a tail over the next few years as people decide work out oh okay well if i if i set my head office over here and this over there and you know shovel things around i can save myself another three or four percent or whatever on the on the tax yep so um yeah it is worth noting that whenever we look back as a trend um yeah about a third roughly of the of the profit gains you've seen for the last 20, 30 years have just been taxes so, falling. Socialised loss. <laughs> yeah, and, and it does look like that's still going to keep going, but yep. um, you, it is one thing you, you need to keep an eye on for, for, for when that trend okay. eventually yep. either ends. And, and it's probably similar to the inequality bit. When you when you see that turn, it's probably a similar time when you see these tax rates 
turn. Okay, sure. Um, and you've got the oh, this is just running through the um, just the rough calculation. Stats. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And the final trend. And just just before we roll into um, our final trend, I've just got a quick question here as well uh, from James. Uh, so with the Australia with being, with the show being so technologically challenged at the best of times, do you see us falling by the wayside over the next two decades or ten to twenty years? Uh, given that we haven't really prepared ourselves for the tech revolution that is upcoming. Some would say the tech revolution might be all well on its way, but anyway. Yeah. Oh, look, it's absolutely a an issue for Australia. I think there's um, there's a huge automation. I guess I, the, the ones I'm talking about at the moment are, are the longer term trends. There's some there's some what I call mid term trends, which are which sort of fall more into the um, uh, into into James's question. Mm. So. Technological change happens has been happening for you know hundreds of years. So you know, regardless of whether you're moving from you know bows and arrows to 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 guns or yep. you know steam engines yep. and things like that, industrial but, revolution. Yeah, yep. there's but it does go through periods where it, it it zips along for a little bit, and then um you get you get some stag- periods of stagnation and, and zipping along, and we do seem to be hitting this period of automation, um, where. Over the next few years, um, you know, the amount of robotics and the amount of automation and and all these um, have hit this stage where they've they've now got the capability of of you know potentially being driverless and and we've seen a lot of the mines are already mm. pushed to driverless. Yep. Uh, you know, the question about driverless cars whether it gets well, uh, you know how how widespread that is. Um, you know, lots of debate over that, but it's but it's certainly at a stage now where twenty years ago, if you spoke about driverless cars, it was some pipe dream in the future. Mm. Um, Right now, we're saying, well, we know it works. Um, it's just a question of getting it efficient enough. Yep. And maybe, and a question about how long that final bit will work. So, Australia's position um, has not been particularly good at all. We had um, some technologists on a few weeks ago, yeah, Matt uh, Barry, Matt Barry, to to run through um, some of the issues. But but very much, it's. Uh, it's been the houses and holes economy where we're we, we're digging stuff out of the ground and selling it to people and using that to, to go and sell bigger houses to ourselves. Mm. Uh, and we do need to get Australia to the point where uh, you know, the, the average entrepreneur doesn't want to go out and buy a house and do it up and sell and mm. sell it to somebody. They actually do want to go out and start a business and or start something. So technologically, Australia has all the capability. It's yep. got the educated workforce. Um, it's got a lot of the. Uh, uh, rule of law. It's got all um, uh, people who are. It's, it's the education systems. Faults notwithstanding, is generally designed to to make people think for themselves, as opposed to to other ones which might be very good at getting scores, mm. um, but are just designed to everyone has to fit into the the one mould, and 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 they're generally not very good at innovation. Yep. So Australia has all the pieces in play, uh, but the um, the st- structurally and and and. Uh, the outlook for Australia, Australians from a where do they want to invest and do they want to be t- t- technologically diverse? I think still needs to to change, and I think a lot of that needs to be a lower lower Australian dollar, mm. and it's partly that resources curse about when um, you can go and find something or find a miner and and you know you can see your money go up ten times or whatever. Yep, there's a certain lottery aspect. If that's not available, then you find some of those people who would have would have been doing that investing around. Building new things or creating, creating being, new being things. Being productive. <laughs> yes, and so um, uh, and so. For my part, we need to see lower lower Aussie dollar before you can really start to see Australia. Um, so, uh, so do you think that's a linchpin? I guess going back to the question of on, on automation, because I guess the opportunity lies to either be a country that creates the automation or buys in the automation and plonks it on the ground. And because obviously Australia is not the cheapest place in the world to get land, mm. um, the second option is probably not as Tantalizing to reinvigorate a manufacturing base. Would you Would you agree? Like speaking to the fact that we've had a massively declining manufacturing base. If we we're going to return to that, and automation was going to be the key, mm. surely it would make sense that we actually design and built the automation rather than just bringing it in. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Australia was you know, a leader in a whole bunch of different areas that they've made it, they've let let go. You know, whether it be solar power. Um, you know, Australia, in terms of driverless technology, uh, Australia is some of the first driverless technology in all the mines, and and yep. the, you know, quite quite a quite an innovative leader there. But um, you know, you'd argue we've fallen behind some of the uh, the Googles and and people like that who are who are busily turning that into how can we you know how can we extend that into to other things, whereas we're sort of um, we're still pushing back on 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 that. So I guess. Yeah, if I was going to pick an area, if I was going to pick a country at the moment, it wouldn't be Australia. Yep. But I could easily see um, 
you know, maybe four or five years, you could see enough. If, if things were put in place, you could you could get those um, you get that turned you yep. get that turned around. Turn around yep. And and the other thing to note as well is this whole automation boom is is actually going to make inequality worse. Yep. Because um, smart you people a, are going to be in charge, and there's going to be no need for exactly. You put a truck driver out of work, and you you put a, a an IT graduate yep. you know, into work. Um, there's a chances are you'll be paying that. IT graduate in a few years, a lot more, and 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 the IT and the and if if his job changes or whatever, he can quite often jump into something different. Whereas the truck driver might find that there's he just hasn't doesn't have the skills for yeah for, okay. for anything and and can't go and write the code to to, to run to finish it off yeah or to get the job done. Okay, very good. Oh, thanks, James. Thanks for that one. Um, we'll jump across into trend six. So um, topic, I guess, in in world trade. So uh, yeah, so this one um, is uh, just showing that sort of over the last. Again, this is a bit a little bit longer this graph, but it's certainly showing that world trade has uh, or has dramatically increased over the last sort of fifty hundred years, and so that's been a, a big big headwind. Uh, sorry, big tailwind for for the world economy. Yep. So you know, generally speaking, it it means that uh, if you have two countries producing all the same goods, and you decide to get one country to produce one set of goods and, and the other country to produce the other, is they both become more efficient in the thing they're specialised and they can trade and, and you know, the, the whole GDP rises more than it would have, would have otherwise risen. Yep. So from a um, from an economic standpoint, it's been this great tailwind. Uh, obviously, Trump has got some ideas on, on what he thinks um, you know, is fair trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd actually argue that you know, China has been cheating a lot of the, the issues and so you know, he's, he's got some real and valid concerns. Mm. Uh, but... The uh, is is world trade going to keep increasing? Uh, chances are not, mm. and um, it's yeah that's one that's sort of looking again like flipping from being a uh, this great tailwind of of economies growing much faster because trade was growing much faster to yep. uh, to turning the other way and 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 whether we uh, I'm not talking about going back to the, the the depths but it's certainly not looking like rising and and over the next few years probably will um, yeah, reduce a bit mm. as um, as people you know, reduce their reliance on on China as being the the manufacturing yep, place yep. for everything yep okay sure thing okay very good so we'll uh, we'll bring it together so uh, we'll talk oh, to quick run through of the headwinds and tailwinds as we've Spoken yeah. about now, yeah. So, so forty to fifty years. So, the last forty to fifty years, we've basically had five tailwinds and one headwind. So, one headwind is uh, rising inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got had two two big demographic trends working in our favour, which is the baby boomers and the female, um, female participation. participation. Yep. There's been this huge rise in debt um, that's sort of driven things along, uh, and we've had our um, and then we've had our uh, corporate taxes falling. Well, trade. Yep. Uh, okay, so and then so now now they're changing though. So let's move now onto to three different headwinds. So now we're talking about the uh, the baby boomers are no longer a tailwind; they're now turning into a headwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, inequality is uh, is still a headwind, mm-hmm. so that hasn't changed. And a world trade is is become a headwind. Uh, in terms of neutral, neutral, female participation is at best neutral. Maybe it's maybe it's actually even a little bit negative in in some areas. Okay. Uh, at the on the tailwinds, look debt. Um, I had this down. I've, I mean, I've been speaking about this as being still increasing, but it does look as if certainly in Australia that's topping out, mm. and so potentially that's a tailwind that's that's going to turn neutral and, and maybe even turn into a headwind if, if debt starts to, to flip back the other way. Absolutely. Um, uh, and tax reductions, though, is still heading in the um, in the right, right you know, is well, <laughs> right or wrong direction depending on which side of the take you. But certainly still a tailwind for economic growth. Okay. For, yeah, and sure. certainly for companies' growth, companies growing their profits. Mm. Uh, so um, it's certainly a different investment environment than, than what we've than what we've seen, and uh, with each of those, you know, tailwinds turning into headwinds or, or turning neutral, um, you have to be your longer term outlook needs to be, uh, be certainly more muted than what it was over the over the last period. Okay, yeah, sure. And so I guess um, for practically in, in an investment standpoint. Um, what, how's this sort of playing? Are we even just if we just draw on our own uh, setup in the portfolios at the moment? So mm. if you, maybe just major asset classes and, and how we're sort of reflecting these uh, themes today. In, yeah, in sure. Portfolio. So there's sort of there's four ways in which I look at how to use these trends in, in terms of your investment. One is uh, as you're doing your asset allocation, you need to, to have a look and say, I really can't take the last 40 or 50 years and just put in, you know, this is what equities will grow at because that's what they've grown at for the last 40, 50 years. Mm. And this is what debt will do because that's what's happened for the last 40, 50 years. You need to take that into account and change your numbers and pull back that headline growth. 
Um, at the moment, we need to expect lower inflation and lower growth. And you know, some stage, we'll need to think about where where does that tax um, stop being a a, um, a headwind, a uh, sorry tailwind for for your asset allocation. So chances are you're probably going to be a little bit less equities than you would have had yep. than, than what your models might tell you you should be having. Yeah, so, yeah sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in terms of the inequality and the debt issues, it, it means more crises. So again, it's it's more volatility. Mm. Um, if you if you keep seeing those high debt rates, it's it makes it a lot harder for central banks to to raise interest rates and lower interest rates because when there's a huge debt burden and you raise interest rates just a little bit, all of a sudden you've put the brakes on the um, on the on the rest of the economy. So it does mean there's there's more chance of crises if if they get them wrong. Mm, okay. So. Um, you know, not something to panic about right now, but it is certainly expect to see more crises over the next over the next period. From taxes, um, so from a tax perspective, I do I do expect that at some stage you'll get this backlash in terms of you know pushing against. We see a bit of it in terms of Facebook and Google, and you know we've got to set up a Google tax or an Apple tax or or whatever because they keep shifting their taxes around and we can't we can't track them down. Yep. Um, potentially at some stage you will get the point where people say, well. Uh, maybe we just can't keep lowering company taxes. That's probably a, wh- a while away, especially in the US, given they've only just cut taxes. Yep. But um, yeah, it's something to keep in mind. And then the other one is just some of the uh, demographic changes we spoke about, and, and whether that means you know selectively is whether you want to be getting into healthcare and 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 uh, retirement services and 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 things like that rather yep. than. Uh, Problems at the other end, yeah, yeah, small nappies, yeah, yeah. nappies, <laughs> and so it's a question about, and again, but again, it's it's not a none of those are sort of buy and forget. Yeah, um, you look at companies like and healthcare is a great example of that. Where uh, right now, uh, if you want to buy healthcare stocks in emerging markets, for mm-hmm. example, to get benefit, you know, get this exposure to these great growing populations and and Chinese aging population and and increasing wealth and all that type of stuff, mm. they're. Um, they're some of the most expensive healthcare stocks on the planet. Yep. So you really have to pay up for it. So the question for me is always, you know, you want to, you want to look for these trends and you find them and you go, yeah, okay, that's an area I'm interested in buying. I'll buy at the right price, but I'm not going to pay, you know, 10 times as much as what they were trading at a few years ago just, yeah, just to get in there. And yep. so it's a question about putting those on your on your, on your your list of stocks you want to buy and then just waiting for them to get back to the uh, the right price where you, where you find it attractive. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Um, all right. Well, on that note, we'll uh, we'll finish up. So thanks very much, Damien, and a, a great little recap there of our uh, mega trends that we're looking at. And, uh, yeah, we'll jump across to uh, what's coming up next week. So uh, we're uh, going to – we've heard the trade war, if you were listening last week, has been postponed. So it's uh, tw- now Thursday, the, the, the not the trade war itself, the, the chat about the trade war. Well, you know, yeah, that's right. That, that seems to be accelerating the uh, the trade war. But but having said that, well, you know, I think we, we spoke about it. We'll uh, hopefully have a little bit more clarity as well. Um, Next year, next next week to talk a bit about it, but there's obviously a lot in play in in terms of the trade war and and uh, the effects it's having on on global stock markets and uh, and eventually the the actual economies involved. Mm, absolutely, and there'll be a handful more tweets out, no doubt, as well that we can have a bit of a read through. So uh, that's on uh, same bat time, same bat channel, Thursday, the 23rd of May uh, at 12:30 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Just head over to the Nucleus Wealth Live webinar page if you'd like to watch it live. And as James did today, drop in a question and uh, or um, put up your thoughts so thanks for that james Uh, and on that note well that's it for now and thanks for watching if you like what you heard today and you'd like to hear more head over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash subscribe give us your email address and in return we'll send you a weekly email with new webinar topics links for our podcasts and other news from nucleus wealth i certainly hope you've got something out of today as i have and we'll look forward to catching you with the next one cheers